Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 56 for the week of the 17th of October 2011, and it is the first episode of after the season two premiere of The Walking Dead. Ooh, exciting. We're back in business, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Finally. It's been a long road, a long, dry hiatus, but uh, this is, uh, we're finally back here. We're back in business and we're ready to go. After all summer, we're going weekly. We're going to do our recaps. We're going to do uh, some new stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. We have a new intro. Uh, yeah, I hope everyone liked the new intro. That was it. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool tune with some sirens and some awesome, awesome guitar riff, and then a really fancy voiceover done by me. No, <laughs> no, not. we got to thank Scott Fletcher for that. That was uh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, if uh, if you want to get any more information on the uh, Mr. Fletcher who does voiceover for podcasts and otherwise, there'll be a link in our show notes. But he uh, he does great work. And oh, he's, always. He's uh, he's lended his vocal talents to us. Um. So before we get into the recap of Season 2, Episode 1, I just want to remind everyone that I was at New York Comic Con. I just got back late, late last night after a super awesome weekend. Uh, I spent three full days at the con, plus a little bit on Thursday night, and it was one of the most fun times I've ever had. That's awesome. I, I bought all kinds of stuff. I spent way too much money. Well, of course. But you knew that going in. Yeah, I did know that going in. I, I knew I was going to spend a lot. Did you have a budget? Have a good time. No, not really. You're just, oh, that, that's your problem right there. You're <laughs> supposed to go in saying, okay, I have this much money and then allocate it to various yeah. you know, endeavors. But uh, if you go in just going, well, I'm going to see what there is and then just buy stuff, then you know, from dollar one, you feel bad. I didn't. I can't say I really felt bad, uh, but and I I didn't go absolutely crazy. Like I'm still going to be able to you know put food on the table here at home and oh, stuff like good. stuff like that. But I I did spend a bit, and my suitcase coming home was it's one of these suitcases where the top you can unzip a oh, little yeah. extra compartment expand. Yeah, I good. completely had it expanded, and like nothing else would fit in there. It's lucky I didn't buy even one more book because I would have had to ship it back or something you're supposed to buy extra luggage when that happens <clears throat> you buy a second piece of luggage uh -huh. and you fill that full of stuff <laughs> i suppose uh i didn't do that but it's only because i didn't have to i hit the limit of of luggage of um of contents in my in my bag how do limits work i can't remember i gotta go back to calculus volume class. yeah there's a volume limit there's also a weight limit no the limit the airline. <laughs> no the actual calculus limit the limit as x approaches oh i see yeah so things have you know limits i hit that Math limit you hit that mathematical limit that's right all right i did absolutely 
Um, I picked up some Walking Dead figures, uh, a bunch of books, The Walking Dead Chronicles, a hardcover copy of Rise of the Governor. That's awesome. Um, all kinds of, of great stuff, plus a whole bunch of free stuff, too. Everyone just hands you stuff as you're walking around. Well, you were handing out stuff, too, weren't you? I sure was. I handed out <laughs> all of our fancy little um, Talking Dead USB bottle openers. So if you happen to have received one of those and you are listening right now, send us a note and let me know. Yeah. I would, I would love to, you know get a little bit of a feeling of the reach of those things and t-shirts uh, there were some t-shirts yeah a few t-shirts uh were given out but it's it's i found it more difficult to give out shirts Why? You, you can't i don't know it's sort of weird to walk around and just like hand shirts to people like when you're a usb stick is a normal promotional item right it's right, like okay. here's a thing <clears throat> there's some stuff on it check it out this is kind of what we do Shirt is like, like a shirt is something you go and buy. It's sort of weird, you know? Well, you could sell them. Uh, I could. Want to no, buy a shirt? No one would be buying them. Uh, a few people, when I was handing them the USB sticks, asked me how much. Oh, and, that's nice. Yeah, but... That the, means they they actually equate it as having a monetary value, which is nice. Because then they're going to, you know, they're going to take that, and they're going to value it a little bit more because it was free. Whereas if it was just like, a, you know, if you were handing out business cards... You know, people, it's just a piece of paper, you know. There's, you know, you don't ask somebody how much for their, your business card. Well, at least the nice thing about the USB sticks is no one's going to throw them away. That's right. At the very least, they're going to take them home, probably look at them for a while, and, I don't know, stick it on their desk in front of their computer. I have yet to throw one away. Well, I would hope so. Yeah, I haven't thrown any away yet. Very good. I have a big stack of them, and they're all still there. I haven't thrown any in the garbage. Well, I'm I'm planning now to come back to New York next October for Comic Con 2012. I don't think I'm going to have USB sticks, sadly, but I will have something to bring then too. Yeah, we'll bring something. I'm going to go. Oh, you got it. I'm, I'm going to go for sure. Well, <laughs> unless not... you're moving again. Yeah, I mean, you know, life gets in the way every now and again, but uh, I would like very much to go. It was amazing. Uh, just before we move on to, I uh, I had a really good time meeting up with some listeners, um, Ethan and Jason, who we've we've had on the show uh, a while back now, back when season one of The Walking Dead was on. I met up with those guys. I met up with Jordan from Jersey, who uh, who runs the Walking Dead podcast network. Um, all great guys. Really nice time, and it was nice to put some faces to the names finally. Oh, that's nice. So that was that was really fun. I appreciate them taking the time to say hi and stroll around the floor with me or drink far too many beers with me. You know, <laughs> you know who you are. It happens. <laughs> that's right. Um, anyway, so it was a great time, and I'm going to go next year. And, man, New York's an amazing city. It really is. Absolutely amazing city. But that's a whole other podcast. Um, so that's exciting. Before Also, before we do our recap of... Season 2, Episode 1. I'll say it again, because I'm so excited. The season premiere, we can call it. The season premiere. That does work. Uh, let's talk about the ratings. Because we're a couple of days or a day behind in recording, because I was flying home from New York, yep. um, the ratings for this episode are already available. Awesome. Um, last year, we would be recording, uh, reporting the ratings typically the week after the show, uh, when the show aired, because that was our recording schedule. And we'll probably be doing that too moving forward this season. But since the ratings are available now, I figured we might as well throw them out there. Throw them in. And uh, see what we think. So you have no idea, do you, what, uh, what we're looking at right well, here? Well, I, I know I watched it. I know my <laughs> wife watched it. One, well, two. <laughs> well, most, mostly. Does it count when you cover your eyes or turn away? Or uh, it, it counts. Okay, it still counts? Okay, then my wife watched it. All right. Well, I'll tell you. A total of 7.3 million people wow. tuned in 
for The Walking Dead on Sunday night. This is from uh, the New York Times. I'm getting this information. Is this U.S. ratings or uh, international ratings? Does this include Canada is what I'm wondering? Uh, no, it probably doesn't include Canada. I'm sure these are U.S. ratings. That's awesome, though. But still, 7.3 million. <clears throat> um, that's up, if you recall, from the 5.3 million from last year's season premiere. I, uh, you know what's <clears throat> weird? I did recall that. I was like, that, that's up. It was like 5 million last year. Yeah, exactly. It was 5.3, up a whole 2 million to 7.3. Wow. Um, of those, 7.3, 4.8 million were in the 18 to 49 demographic. That's me. Yes, it is. Me too. And that makes the uh, makes it the highest rated drama episode ever on cable. Wait a minute. In that demographic. Okay, so we have 7 million viewers, but only uh, 4 point what million were uh, 18 to 49? 4.8 million were 18 to 49. So the rest were outside of that? Yes. Who else would watch it? Well, presumably the odd teenager and some people over 50, 50 and over. <laughs> huh. You know? There <laughs> well, was a no, whole I, 3 million in there I, You almost. know, I figured it would be somewhere around 6 million that would be, that would be in that, that demographic. It just it surprises me that there's a, that's such a large number outside of the 18 to 49. Yeah, well, it, it broke the record for highest rated drama episode. And do you know who previously held the record? Uh, Walking Dead? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it held the, the, uh, from the premiere last year. That's so. awesome. It's it's super exciting. Now, here's even more exciting news. It, of course, AMC replayed it at 10.30 and again at 12.30. And the episode had a cumulative total of 11 million viewers for that Sunday. Wow. So uh, Cumulative. Does that mean somebody who watched it three times gets counted three times? I don't know how TV ratings work. <laughs> sure. I, probably. I have questions. Yeah. For prob- the ratings people, if you want to contact us, let us know and... Uh, uh, you know, I'll give you a call and we can talk about ratings calculations. <laughs> they, they can, I'm sure, answer all your questions. But Th- these are live numbers, right? Not the live plus three or live plus seven. It's yeah. Well, okay. the total people that watched it are 11 million, right? Because we're at three days now, right? So they they count. Uh, oh, these no- aren't live live numbers. Like I don't know what this is. Just for Sunday, right? Okay, so it's live. That's as it airs. This is how many people were watching it. Yes. Live plus three is PVR'd, but they watched it within three days. Oh, I get Life it. Live plus seven is they PVR'd it and they watched it within seven days. I understand now. Yeah. So, <laughs> still eleven million people. That's that's super exciting. That's a lot of people. That's more people than I know. Is it? It really is. Yeah, probably more than I know too. And I, if I knew everyone in New York when I was there, that's still probably not even eleven million people. Well, don't you? You met a lot of people at the Comic Con, didn't you? I did. I think there was they they estimated over. A, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the number wrong now, but I was gonna say over a hundred thousand people at the Comic Con. But in some ways, that sounds low. You could just go low, because you know they you know if there was uh, more than thirty people there, you're not wrong. No, right? I'm There's sure. definitely more than thirty people there. So if you're gonna estimate the number of people, estimate low. Okay, hundred thousand. A million, I don't know. There were a lot. Fifty million people went to the comic. There, there were points walking around that show floor that it was just like, out of my way. I need to move. You know, I need to get going. So wow, we should, uh, you know, we should do a comparison of the ratings of uh, different shows just to see what, like, how much uh, larger of an audience the uh, The Walking Dead has versus something that's, you know wildly popular or you know has a cult following like well how does this compare to this show compared to breaking bad or how does it compare to like other amc shows like Mad Men or you know stuff on like hawaii 50 how many people watch hawaii 50 we can do that and and last year we did that a little bit because i mean everyone reported that the walking dead had doubled the viewership of Mad Men and stuff like that and you know Mad Men is a 
terribly popular show that people yeah. love yet the zombie show from out of nowhere comes and has twice as many people so yeah. well just and it's my own ignorance right i don't i've never followed ratings for television shows in any form before no. so you know 7 million people sounds like a lot when you think about 7 million individuals sitting down turning on their television and watching this show but you know how does that compare with other things yeah of course it it and we you can compare it with other shows and i think it does quite it fares quite well against other shows um, it, of course, comes nowhere near touching things like Monday Night Football well, yeah. and stuff like that. But that's apples and oranges. It really is. You know, it's sports are a whole different category. Yeah, people Even, don't live lo zombie lifestyles like they do football lifestyles. You play football, you watch football, uh, you talk about football, you coach football, you do all this kind of you, stuff. You, you should come to a New York Comic Con. There are people that live a zombie lifestyle there, I think. <laughs> you coach zombies, you... <laughs> Yeah, watch that's zombies right. you you know you get together as a family and you buy hot dogs and you know play zombies sure <laughs> it's, it seemed like it every sunday I, night i saw whole families of people all dressed up you know in uh, related costumes it was awesome that's excellent um so there you go super awesome ratings for uh the season premiere very very exciting uh we'll see what happens in episode two and three and four and so on next week mm -hmm. um typically the ratings drop a little bit, but The Walking Dead, of course, last year held up extremely well through all six episodes. Well, we're coming up to Halloween, so this <clears throat> kind of thing is uh, going to be in for the next couple of weeks. Isn't this brilliant of them? They pre they don't premiere it on Halloween. Yeah. They premiere it two weeks ahead of time. So so the first three episodes are broadcasting pretty much by the time Halloween is, is here. Yep. And so people are just getting more and more excited. And they, they can, now they can probably go three episodes without a huge drop-off. Um, and then maybe it'll happen after that as we get closer to Christmas. But it's brilliant, really. It really is a good uh, a good strategy. Yet so simple. Yet it's so, <laughs> so simple. simple. So yeah. All right. How about we get into our recap of what lies ahead? <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a little more work from Mr. Fletcher. We're gonna have him read the episode titles for all the episodes moving forward. That's how you know when the recap starts. Yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Season 2, Episode 1. So we open with a shot, with lots of shots of deserted Atlanta. There's dogs scavenging around. Eating stuff. Yeah, eating stuff. There's zombies here and there, but it's a lot of desertion shots sort of thing. And we hear Rick doing a voiceover. He's, he's doing a radio message to Morgan, as he was doing in... Uh, the end of last season two, mm -hmm. trying to trying to update Morgan on where they are and what they're doing, and hope just I guess hoping he's getting the messages. Um, it uh, we currently we are two days after the CDC explosion. That's what Rick says yep. in his message. It's been two days. He says things like, "I tried to keep everybody safe. I tried." And um, I think one of the most interesting things, uh, interesting quotes from that message is, "I met a scientist. He told me something. He told me." It doesn't matter. Oh, you know, we're so close <laughs> to finding out what uh, Jenner told him. Yeah. So, you know what's interesting about that? <clears throat> I no longer think that Jenner said your wife is pregnant. Really? Yeah. I think Jenner, I'm now with you or with the people that sort of believe he said, nope, you're all infected. When you die, whether you bit or not, you're going to come back as a zombie. Okay. <clears throat> to me... Rick looked extremely distressed in that scene. And that news is in some way more distressing, in my opinion, 
to him than your wife is pregnant would be. What about your wife is pregnant, but you don't know who the father is? That's got to be pretty distressing. Uh, but Well, but the father's not you. Well, we don't know that, right? We don't know how early he can tell that, uh, that Lori's pregnant, right? He must, if all he said was Lori's pregnant, Rick's got to be thinking, is it mine? Is it Shane's? <clears throat> You know, True. That that's got to be pretty. I would find that very distressing. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I see. I was just thinking along the lines of having a baby in this situation. Well, that you know, <clears throat> you know, pile that on. Just pile it all on. It's a pretty <laughs> distressing situation. That's yeah, true. It's true. I suppose either way, he's going to be concerned about yes. <laughs> about what Jenner whispered to him. But it's not revealed to the audience quite yet. Not yet. Although I'm sure we'll get there soon. He also tells Morgan that they're going to be heading to Fort Benning, which is 125 miles away. There you go. So they've got some uh, road to cover. Um, as he's doing this, we see shots of the group packing up, and Rick says things like, we have to stick together, fight for each other, lay down our lives for each other, if it comes to that. <clears throat> he finally signs off, and we see the convoy driving out of the city. And it's the shot of the deserted highway, or the one-side deserted highway. Yep. Didn't something about it didn't look right to me? No, it looked kind of off. It looked like a matte painting. Well, obviously it did because it is a matte painting, right? We know it's a matte painting, but it was obviously a matte painting. But did it look like that? I didn't go back. We see we've seen that shot a couple of times. Did it look like that last season? It. I. I don't remember looking at that and thinking eh, this. This doesn't. This doesn't look real. You know. Uh, my brain just, you know, accepted it. <laughs> just said yeah it is what it is it is what it is what i really liked about this uh you know uh this you know rick talking on the uh on the, the wireless and then going into the opening sequence was the music mm-hmm. synced up which i thought was fantastic well they were doing that last year too the, the music for the opening starts before the credits no but the actual music that was over uh underlying sorry underlying the voiceover while he was talking on the radio through the whole thing it actually matched with the opening sequence music. It wasn't the opening sequence music, right. but it matched in time and in uh, tone and flavor and as well as key signature or whatever. I don't know about that well, stuff. That, but it, just, it just kind of meshed right with it. It was really nice. That Bear McCreary guy knows what he's doing. He sure does. He does. I, I, thought, I really appreciated that. I thought it was nice. It was good. Overall, the, the music in this whole episode was quite It was. Quite good. Sparse. Um, sparse. But, which I like. Yeah, and not uncommon for this show. Uh, and there was no... Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no popular songs in it. There was just Bear McCreary score, I believe. I don't recall any popular yeah, songs. I don't think so. They they typically do that at the end of a of an arc, right? They right. had one sort of at the end of season one when things had exploded and they're they're moving on to the next phase. Right. Okay, so we go into opening credits, and when we come back, they are driving along the road. Now, one thing I noticed here, they've got a motorcycle with Daryl on it. They've got the RV with most of the group in it. And yep. they've got uh, <clears throat> they've got a uh, like a SUV or something with the Grimes family yep. and Carol and Sophia, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. No Jeep. Nope. No Jeep. Um, yeah. What happened to the Jeep? Where's the Jeep? <laughs> I guess it, I don't know, must have broke down. It's two days had gone by. so It's on the, uh, the cutting room floor. Or maybe we're going to have a flashback. Yeah, we could probably have a flashback. Because Shane was in the RV. Yeah, that's he right. Was he was helping Andrea learn how to field strip a pistol. He was. So something happened in that two-day period where he lost his Jeep. Well, yeah. we kind of know because we've seen that scene in the trailer, but it wasn't in the episode. So it yeah. could be used as a flashback. Yeah, I think it's going to be a flashback. You know what I noticed about this, though? That that motorcycle 
is an impractical vehicle. Oh, yeah. It's a rather loud vehicle. It looks like it's uncomfortable. Just the way the handlebars are, they're, it's, you know, Daryl looks like he's not... You can't sit on that thing for very long, like a long mm. road trip, and be comfortable. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I think that, I mean, motorcycles, big ones are designed for long rides. But he's got to lean forward, and his no. arms are way above his head, and you got to hold your arms up there for hours on end. Yeah. I don't think so. No, I, I agree. That is a little bit crazy. But and I was, it's loud. I was more thinking about how loud that thing was. I mean, when when Glenn was driving the, um, the Not Mustang yes. last last season whatever it was the charger maybe charger challenger something yeah i mean that thing had the the alarm going off and everyone's like what the hell are you doing you're gonna lead them right to us yeah same problem here i mean i know they're moving but if they stop for any time and this motorcycle's running it's like yeah. hello here we are you know <clears throat> when i was living on young street we'd hear motorcycles going by in the summer all the time and i was i would be asleep and it would wake me up mm-hmm. you know if i was a zombie and that motorcycle went by i'd be like whoa Oh, there goes something I want to eat. Yeah, and exactly. then follow it. <laughs> That's right. You, know? you jump the two stories out of your window. Yeah, and if you could still walk, you'd go right after. I'm just going to go after that sound, and if it happens to stop, me and you know a herd of my friends are going to show up, and uh, we're going to chow down on some uh, Daryl Dixon. So, anyways, loud motorcycle. I guess it's such a cool vehicle. He wanted to keep it. They made an exception. Coolness outweighed safety. Yeah. So he's got the really loud transportation and the really quiet weapon. It balances out. It balances out. So he can hunt in very, you know, very quiet circumstances. But uh, traveling, that's just not so good. Loud. So as they're going, the Grimes family is in their vehicle talking about a trip they took to the Grand Canyon back when everyone was still alive and happy. Um, they, to me, they seem to be having a nice time. They're sort of laughing and smiling. Yeah, this about was it. very. Uh, I thought this was nice because it was like a. It was sort of like a family road trip. Mm-hmm. They were on a family. They were laughing. They were reminiscing about good times. They were talking about stuff. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was that was nice. Carl and and Sophia ask if they can go see the Grand Canyon at some point, and Rick says, "Of course." And and we'd never go without you and your mom, meaning Carol and Sophia. Right. So they're they've they've come together quickly as a sort of a tight knit family. You know, they're a yeah. Group. They're going to be there for each other, and that <clears throat> that you know uh, reinforces what Rick was saying in the opening about. Uh, we have to lay down our lives for each other if it comes to that. Yep. So after that, we cut to Shane cleaning his gun with Andrea watching. That didn't sound so dirty when I wrote it, but it <laughs> it does now that I read it. Uh, he was field stripping. He, that's also not good, but he was field, he field stripped the uh, the pistol in order to be able to clean it. All right, meaning you take it apart in the field and clean it and reassemble it. Well, you don't. You take it apart, sort of. You take it apart enough to be able to clean the major parts, but you don't take it apart so much that it's a, you know it takes a long time to put back together if you field strip something it's just like a bare minimum take it down to you know larger chunks so that if you need to you can put it back together in a short order right uh you know unless you're andrea then it takes a little longer sure well they they start talking and uh shane says he's looking at her weapon her gun and she explains that her father gave it to her so that uh, when she went on the road with her sister, the two girls on the uh, could defend themselves yep. if if necessary. Um, so at this point is when they come to the block section of the road and they sort of try to drive through. Glenn suggests that they go back, but Dale says they can't spare the fuel. Right, they got not enough room to uh, fuel to go back and take a bypass. Um, as they're sort of snaking through a little bit, you can see that the cars are all full of dead people. Yes, they are. And uh, as they as they get a little bit farther, the radiator hose in the RV blows out again. Of course. And they're stranded. Um, 
So do we have a theory here on why the folk, what's, what was going on with the folks in the cars? Why weren't they coming, getting up and walking away? Um, no, we don't have a theory. <laughs> yeah, neither, neither do I. <laughs> so No, I don't know. They, they were dead, obviously. They looked uh, somewhat, you know, in a state of decomposition. Uh, why, maybe they were lurkers, but, you know, no, I don't know why they didn't get up and walk around. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. It didn't look to me like they had had any um, severe brain trauma, therefore right. destroying the brain. Um, it looked like they had just died in their cars and stayed there for some reason. Yeah. And as the episode progresses, uh, you know, our characters sort of come into close contact with some of them. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's not like they're just dormant until, you know, until somebody they're comes not lurkers, close by. Yeah. They're, they're really just dead and highly decomposed. You're right. Dead people. So a little bit that that was sort of interesting, but uh, they they all get out of their their vehicles and start talking about what they can search for in the cars, and Laurie says this is a graveyard. I don't know how I feel about this. Brings up the morality question. That's nice. I thought that was good. I I, I did too, but I I sort of think in their situation they got to just not worry about well, it. Well, I think they have to address it, right? Like it's still a relatively new situation, mm-hmm. right? And they're coming across these things where we need stuff to survive but it's all these people they own this stuff but they have passed away and you're supposed to respect the dead Mm -hmm. not just steal from them and then bash their skulls in right right so it's uh it's got to be a a mental and a moral adjustment and so i think that was important to bring up that you know they are making that moral change to uh reflect their you know, their situation. Their situation, yeah. It's not like society is still going on where you don't have to steal stuff from dead people. Yep. They're in a situation <clears throat> where they do. Uh, so Dale then encourages Glenn to change the radiator hose and learn something, which I thought was funny. Radiator <laughs> hose always uses a flathead. That's right. They exchange screwdrivers. I didn't know that, personally. No, well, it's good to know. Yeah. If you ever need to change your radiator hose. So they change screwdrivers, and Dale heads up to the roof of the RV to keep watch. Good thing, too. Screwdrivers are important. Um, So everyone's searching through the cars. Meanwhile, Andrea heads back inside to try to put her gun back together. She's still learning. And outside, Shane finds a water truck and starts... He pops a lid on one of them and starts showering it all over himself in a celebratory fashion. And he says, it's like being baptized. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. It is. They haven't had water. Water over your head is a uh, a symbol in TVs and movies and books and literature for uh, you know bap- baptism. Baptism, a change of yeah. uh, from one state to another. Sort of a, a rebirth. Yeah. In this case, not really in a positive way, but but it's a change. It is, as you said. Um, okay. And he, and he gets a shower. Yeah, I guess he feels feels a little bit better. I uh, lots of water in there too. They 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 lucked out with that water truck. They sure did. So Rick and Dale then notice some zombies coming down the road, uh, one or two at first, but they quickly realize that there is a whole big old bunch of them. A herd, as it were. A herd, which the term is coined uh, a little bit later, but uh, Rick runs back and encourages everybody to hide under the cars. So now this is the scene that they showed at Comic-Con at the panel. This is the scene that uh, we got a pretty good feeling for in the trailers. I didn't see any sandwiches. Nobody had a sandwich. As far as I could tell. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Nobody had any sandwiches. <laughs> they were just really just hiding. So um, so we, we have a pretty good idea of this scene and how it was going to play out. But some awfully cool extra stuff was, was shown. But click, quickly, under one car, we have Laurie and Carol. Another one, Glenn and Shane. Then Rick, Carl, Sophia are under their own cars. 
by themselves. Right. And Andrea is in the RV. Dale's on the roof. And T-Dog doesn't get behind a car. Instead, he kind of crouches down and slices himself open pretty bad. Yeah, that was pretty gross. He, It was. I've watched it three or four or five times now, and it was pretty gross. He needs a tetanus shot. He certainly what does. I think. Oh my God, does he ever? Um, so he's he's in trouble. He's losing a lot of blood, and you know he can't really get under a car, and he he doesn't really know what to do. Uh, so here's here's my question for this scene: How come the zombies can't smell them under there? I don't know. They're just walking. I have a theory. This time I do. Uh, they don't smell. They smell. They smell bad. Well, the people would smell bad, but they're still living people. My theory is that there were too many zombies, and the zombie smell stench overpowered any oh, other stench. Yeah. So the zombies, if they were smelling something, it was just all of each other, and it wasn't the, the people under the cars. Because there were, I mean, that one shot from a, sort of a big high wide shot, there were a crap load of zombies. There were. Like, at least 100, 100 150, I'd Always say. estimate low. There was more than 10. <laughs> <laughs> Way more than ten. Way more. Anyways, I think there was enough that they uh, they the, the, their own stench would overpower anything else, and that's I think why the people you know Rick and everyone got lucky and they couldn't smell them under there. That's Could my be. theory. Or you know maybe a herd has a different mentality where they're just kind of shuffling along, going okay, we're on a highway. Uh, you know, we're supposed to walk along the highway because that's what they were doing before they died, I assume, mm-hmm. and now they're just walking along the highway. If they happen to stumble across something, they do. Or the explanation in the comic for a herd is essentially one one zombie hears something or is attracted to something, starts walking, and they don't have any concept of, you know, changing hey, buddy, directions or whatever. Yeah. They just keep going and slowly pick up other ones that just kind of join them because they it's what they do. They figure that, well, you must be going somewhere, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I guess this one seemed pretty big, this group of zombies. So Andrea notices the zombies outside. She tries to hide in the RV bathroom. A zombie comes into the RV but turns to leave when he doesn't find anything there. I thought that was kind of weird. Like when you mentioned it on the phone the other day, uh, I thought it was kind of weird that a zombie would go in there. And, you know, I thought maybe he was an RV inspector in a previous life. Yep. And that's, you know, watching it, that's the only explanation I can think of. It, it felt weird, didn't it? Yeah. It felt strange. When I watched it at the panel, too, It, I'm like, why would the why would he walk purposefully onto the RV? There's no reason for that zombie to do that. Yeah. You know, they would just, and if he did it, why didn't like four or five or six of them follow him on? Right. So that's kind of what I meant when I saw it for the first time. And I, it still does feel a little weird for me. Now, on the other side of things, it makes for good dramatic tension. Well, of course it does, because, you know, we have to we have to put uh, Andrea in mortal peril. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is a good way to do it, other than, you know, a zombie. If one zombie saw her through the window or, you know, started banging on the window, that, that she would, her and Dale would be quickly overwhelmed, right? This way, it's an, we isolate a zombie yeah. and put a situation into play. Yeah. But having, getting that zombie on the RV, logically, is a very difficult thing to do. Yes. He, if he wore a hat that said RV inspector, <laughs> RV salesman, RV salesman or something, you know, I would have I would have been on board. But you know, if that'd be just as bad as if he was dressed as a football player. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, football zombie. Well, if you can look past it, it did make for a, a pretty good scene. Other other than that, so Andrea's in there trying to put her gun together. The zombie turns around to walk away, but of course she drops apart, which uh, creates a noise. 
And the zombie turns around and comes back. It starts pushing through the door to get her. And uh, meanwhile, Dale sees through the skylight that she's down there in trouble, and he hands her a screwdriver, which she uses to stab the zombie through the eye and save yep. herself. Good times. She re-stabbed it a couple of times. Yeah, she too. got him a couple of times. Good couple of good blows there, right in the uh, right in the eyeball. Yeah, I right in the, the eye socket. Eye socket with the screwdriver. So that was awesome and gross. And and what I like about this is there's something I like about this scene now, and something I kind of don't. What I like about it is that it's a good character moment for Andrea. It's really trying to. It's really making her putting her on that path to becoming a badass. Yep. You know, toughening her up. It also seems sort of loud, a lot of crashing, her like yelling and stuff like that and zombie noises and so on. And again, why wouldn't other zombies be attracted to that sound? There were so many of them around. There was only the one zombie ins- or RV inspector in that whole herd. <laughs> sure. But a sound would have brought more, I think. And there yeah. was, it was loud. It was loud, yeah. It would have attracted more. But zombies. I I don't want to complain too much. It was it was pretty awesome to see her slam that uh Phillips screwdriver right through its eye. Well, maybe the uh, maybe Dale's RV. It's an older RV, right? It's not a new one, so it's older. It's probably better constructed than the new ones, and probably has way better soundproofing than any RV on the market today. Oh, it probably does. It probably has actual insulation, like asbestos in the walls. That's right, right? And that'll that'll deaden sound. So I think that the uh, the sounds were uh, quite dampened okay. inside that RV. That I can buy. That so RV. Only the RV inspector got killed. And knew about it. That's right. He would, <laughs> and now no one will ever know. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so we cut over back to T Dog, and we see him fall with a zombie approaching. He's lost a lot of blood. It looks like he's in real serious trouble. But uh, Daryl runs up behind him and saves him by stabbing a zombie in the stalk of the neck. Yep, takes him down, um, and then he piles corpses on top of them to hide. While uh, the other zombies sort of just shamble by, which I thought was also a great idea. It's a good idea. And you know what What, what makes this a very interesting scene? If you remember, um, it was kind of T-Dog's fault that Merle was left handcuffed to the roof in season one because he dropped the key. Right. And here's Daryl, Merle's brother, saving the guy who doomed his brother. That's true. I thought that was nice. It was a nice touch. Let bygones be bygones. Exactly. We are now a team. And we'll sort things out later. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got my brother's hand in my bag, so I'm okay. God, is he still carrying that hand around? Well, I don't see why not. Yeah, he must have. Unless he ate it. That's gross, he it. He's got squirrels. He doesn't need to eat a hand. Oh, true. He's going to eat the squirrels. He's got so. more squirrels than you could lay a stick on. <laughs> or hang on a fish hook. That's right. <laughs> so Sophia peeks out from under a car, but un- uh-oh, another zombie comes by, sees her, and and gets down and starts reaching for her under the car. She escapes out the other side and runs into the woods, being chased by two walkers, and Rick goes after them. Mm-hmm. Um, so after some chasing, he catches up to Sophia and hides her under a big stump in a riverbed, I guess. Those zombies are pretty fast. Oh, they were fast. We have some fast zombies here. Yeah, they're fast shamblers. They weren't running. No. Nope. They weren't like the fast zombies in fast zombie movies, or the infected, but they were still shambling. Yep. But uh, they were pretty quick. I thought they were pretty damn quick for zombies. Well, and especially running through a forest. Such uneven land, like yep. rocks, trees. It's not like they're on a nice paved highway. If I was running through a forest, I would run into a tree. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Probably. I would fall into the creek. I would fall into a, an old hole and I would break my leg. Yeah, I'd be in all kinds of trouble. And then you'd be toast. But still, 
as a non-zombie, you'd think you could go quicker through the forest than a than a zombie. <laughs> Maybe, but if a zombie bounces off a tree, it's not going to care, right? No, that's true. I, I would care. I'd be like, oh, that hurt. That hurt. I'd take a couple of minutes to, you know, and uh, clear my head, whatnot. But a zombie's just going to be like, well, nothing. It's going to bounce off the tree and away it goes. Keep going. Uh, so, so he hides her under this big stump in the riverbed. I guess it was a stump. It was some sort of little cave type thing he yeah. found. Um, and he leads the zombie away, zombies away and managed to kill them with a rock. Of course. Hides behind a tree, comes out and just, that, there was some good head smashing there. Eh? There was, yeah, some good squelchy head, head smashing. Really, really got that, uh, got that zombie head crushed. Now, did you notice that the second zombie, it kind of sounded like he said, ow. <laughs> I don't no, think, I, didn't I don't think he did, but Go back and watch. Ow. Yeah, and once you kind of hear it, you you'll never unhear it. I sort of wish I hadn't. <laughs> you know, funny. it's it's he kills the first one, the second one comes out, and as he's hitting it with the rock, oh, I don't know. It's probably just a weird sound effect. Maybe but... humans make that noise because it's, it's the natural noise that comes out when you get smashed in the head with a rock. It must be. I don't know. And then we've <laughs> learned it over the you know eons and whatnot that uh, when you get smashed in the head. You say, ow. And that has translated to other things. Like if you stub your toe, you say, ow. Or you smash your finger with a hammer, you say, ow. And then you curse a lot. Yeah. You know, but maybe the natural noise that comes out of your body when you get smashed in the head with a rock is, ow. Well, if that's true, I, I mean, that must be true because it sure sounded like that zombie went, ow. Right. Um, so he kills the zombies. But meanwhile, Sophia runs off and gets lost in the woods. I don't know why she didn't just do what she was told and stay she, there. She's pretty freaked out. She is, but... You know, I've been lost in the woods, and it's easy to get turned around. I know. And, but... you know, if, I'm, if it was a very stressful situation, and it was a fear for my life, and I was left all alone, and, you know, I'd, you know, I'd go off in the direction I think was the right direction, but who knows what direction that actually is. Yeah, I guess you can easily get confused. Rick had told her sort of which way to go, but unfortunately she never made it back to the highway, so we have Rick, Shane, Daryl, and Glenn searching for her. Keep the sun over your left shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's pretty ambiguous. Like, I can turn a full 180 degrees with the sun over my left shoulder. Well, certainly at midday when the sun's almost right above you, yeah. So how do I, do I, do, do I lean to the side? How do I get the sun over my left shoulder? Yeah, it would, uh, I don't know if I'd be able to follow that. And now that I think about it, it wasn't like really early in the day or really late in the day yet because they still had some time to... They'd been up a while and they still had some time to do some searching. So it was probably midday when the sun's right above you. So yeah, you can run any which way and it seems like it's the right way. The sun's over my shoulder. I can run in the circle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So they're searching and uh, Rick sends Shane and Glenn back to the highway to keep everybody calm. So back at the highway, the group's talking about what to do and Andrea then coins the term herd for a big group of zombies traveling together. There you go. Yeah, that was a nice touch, I well, thought. It's not a flock. Yeah. It could be a flock. Yeah, yeah, it could be, but it's a herd. It's a herd. Um, a lot of Murder. A lot of traditionalists go with a horde of zombies. Yeah. But... You have a murder of crows, it could be a murder of zombies. could have a murder of zombies, but we've herds, and that's established in the comics, All so right. they're, they're going with that. Um, Carl... Uh, what's next? Carl goes off and he finds a set of like hatchets and knives in a car with a zombie. Yep. And instead of getting an adult, he reaches over the zombie himself to get them. Uh, not a zombie, dead person. I'm sorry, dead person. You're right. There was no zombie action there, but we don't really know that. We, you know, as he's reaching in, you think this thing might lean forward and try to bite him. It does not. 
although it does almost fall out of the car and Carl screams like a little girl. Well, he was very brave to go in there in the first place. He saw mm-hmm. the hatchet sticking out. He's like, well, that looks like it would be useful. Yeah. But there's a dead person there. And, you know, you know, he's learned over the last little while that dead people are something. They're, they're effect of life that you got to deal with and you got to get around in order to get stuff that you need to survive. Mm-hmm. So that's what he did. He opened the truck door. He climbed in. He tried to grab it. He had to get up a little bit more. He had to get, you know, up close and personal with this dead person. And he uh, he grabbed the thing of, you know, blades and whatnot. Hatchet. Hatchet and various sharp a, objects. It was a hatchet set, I think. Well, there was some other weird stuff in there. Yeah. What so, do you call that blade with the hook on the end? Do you, is there a name for that? I don't think so. Not that I know of. I'm surprised. You Cur- know all that stuff. Well, not, yeah, I don't. It looks like something from Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. It looks like uh, one of those things the uh, the mud people used. What, what are those called? They grew the Lord of the Rings they, expert in the they room. They grew man. them out of the mud and they went over and they killed Boromir. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> uh, if anyone out there knows if that blade with the hook on the end has a name, let us know. I'd orcs? be interested in knowing. Not orcs, no. In Lord of the Rings, there's a lot of orcs. Yeah, I think it might have been orcs. Okay. So what happens? Carl gets those and he takes them over to Shane and say, look what I found. And uh, Shane kind of blows them off, which upsets Lori, who's standing right there. Did you catch that uh, a little bit earlier in this, uh, uh, Daryl calls Glenn short round? Uh, uh, yes, that's right. He, when, <laughs> when he sends them back, to, or he, he tells them to get off the tracks, he calls them short round. Yeah, <laughs> thought that was funny. That was sort of amusing. <laughs> I think we have a uh, new Sawyer with... Uh, Nicknames. Yeah, I was thinking that. Well, he's going to be the Sawyer of this show. He is the Sawyer of this show. Fan favorite, funny guy. Yeah. And now the nicknames. Kind of the bad boy. Kind of the bad boy, exactly. Toting squirrels. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> well, Sawyer would eat right. squirrels, too. He, he read, Sawyer read a lot. Daryl has squirrels. True. <laughs> True. There you go. Um, so, yeah, so Lori gets upset that Shane seems to blow off Carl and they have a conversation, and he tells her that he's planning to leave, and he's preparing his he's preparing a car to just sort of slip away. Mm-hmm. He turns the car on, and the radio comes on with the emergency broadcast system saying things like, help is on the way. That's very reassuring. And they determine that it has to be a signal, like a local signal within 50 miles. So something is still broadcasting. How do they know that? Uh, Dale knows that. Well, car radio can't pick up th- things that are that far away. How do you know? How far away can they pick up stuff? Well, I don't know exactly but 50 miles is pretty far you can if you drive 50 miles outside of the city you don't get you don't get like toronto radio stations my my problem is that 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 information how far a car radio can receive signals is not common knowledge how how does dale know that no the the actual distance is not common knowledge and it also uh, depends on the strength of the signal you got to think that like major transmitters may or may not be working anymore. Like all of our radio broadcasts off the CN Tower, which is this giant tower in downtown Toronto. If that stopped happening, you know, a radio station that's broadcasting just locally off its own transmitter wouldn't be transmitting that far. The CN Tower is an amplifier. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's so, why they built the damn things because they needed the, something that would have radio signals for walkie-talkies for the CN rail line yeah. all across the entire uh, city rather than building 50 or 60 towers. And for the... The sky view. Sky view? Yeah, the, well, the, the viewing deck. The deck view. What do you call it when you go up a tower and view something? Observation, observation deck. Observation deck. There yeah. you go. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so something's still broadcasting with help is on the way, but they turn it off and move on. Maybe he's a, a, an old-time ham radio buff. 
Well, there you they go. They know how much, you know, they know about atmospheric bounce and all kinds of weird stuff. There's lots of those guys out there. There so. are. He, he probably is, too. If anyone was going to be in the ham radios, it would be Dar- uh, Dale. For sure. So we go back to Rick and Daryl in the uh, woods, and they find another walker, and they kill it. Shoot it in the head. Yeah. <laughs> that was a well-executed scene, I thought. Well-executed death, where Rick runs around and gets its attention, and then Daryl pops up behind him and crossbows him in the back of the head. Right. Um, so then to make sure that that walker didn't eat Sophia... They cut it open and check the contents of its stomach. They do. And and Daryl took uh, three big kind of stabs into the zombie, cutting it open. And then, you know, so it took a lot of time for him to cut that zombie open. And all we saw was Rick's reaction to it, which yeah. was fine with me. Yeah, that's fine. They're not going to show the, the stabbing. First of all, you know, the special effects or practical effects involved in that would be very difficult. And second of all, gross. Yeah. We don't want to watch totally actual gross. stabbings. Uh, of human on you know humanoid but this is the scene that you know when the early reviews came out people were saying this is the goriest thing you've ever seen on tv i'm sure of it did it really require three stabs though well i don't I, you wouldn't think so but maybe zombie skin is toughened up or something i don't know I, the only thing i could think of is you know uh, you don't watch a lot of cop shows right where they have uh, or you watch castle okay so this is good so you know when the, uh, the the medical examiner gets the body and then they cut the body open, they cut this shape in a Y, like in the chest, mm-hmm. uh, from the shoulders to the middle of the chest. So they can peel it open yeah. properly, And right? then one straight down the belly, and they can peel the whole thing open, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the only thing I could think of was that Daryl was doing that. He watched cop shows, and he's like, well, i got to do this Y type thing, and it takes three huge stabs to get that in there. Or maybe he's he's watched cop shows, or maybe he's just carved open people before. Who well, knows? Well, he's carved open animals before. He's yes. a hunter. Does it really require three over-the-head stabs into something to carve open its belly? Who knows? It did in this case. It was gross, though. It was gross. I wonder, this scene to me felt like writers writing a gory scene for the sake of writing a gory scene. I thought so, too. You gonna, if you're worried that a zombie ate your friend... I don't know. Cutting it open to find out what's in its stomach, is that really going to tell you anything? It told them. Well, it's because they. F- it looked like they found the skull of a woodchuck. A woodchuck. Yeah, that's right. This guy had a woodchuck for, uh, for lunch. For lunch. But, I mean, failing that, other than finding actual... I don't know. And zombies don't really eat bones either. They eat the flesh. So well, why is the whole... the whole head of the woodchuck. I guess. And swallowed a, a skull That was down? a skull, yeah. So does that fit down somebody's throat? I don't think so. Okay, zombies don't really follow follow the rules, right? No, because uh, you know the zombie survival guide by Max Brooks. Mm-hmm. You know his description of you know zombies. The reason they eat is not because they're hungry, and it's not because they have a metabolism because they're dead. Mm-hmm. It's just this need for them to ingest something, mm-hmm. and they will ingest it. You know, even to the detriment of themselves. Like they get so fat that the, they can't move anymore Yes, because they get hugely distended. So maybe this guy ate a woodchuck, and sure, it scraped the living crap out of his esophagus. But he's dead already. But he's dead already. He doesn't feel pain. He doesn't know. <laughs> I was wondering at the time if zombies, maybe they actually digest this stuff somehow. But... It looked pretty digested. He digested the flesh off the skull. Yeah, or tore it all off, and it was just separated in there. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, it was pretty nasty, but in my opinion, a little bit unnecessary, this scene. Right. You know, they could have just, you know, investigated the body in some other way, like, you know, 
they didn't find any scraps of her clothing or th- something like that, you know, enough to just for them to determine that this zombie never encountered a 12-year-old girl. Right. So he ate woodchuck and not little girl for lunch. That's right. So by now it's getting dark and the search is called off for the night and they uh, decide to have an organized effort in the morning. Right. This is an important scene. Okay. Where Rick uh, goes back at nightfall. Rick and Daryl come back and they're... Uh, they're talking to um, Carol and saying, you know, he, Rick says, you know, we got to stop for the night because we'd just be walking around in circles and just, we can't search at night. Uh, so we're going to wait till the morning. And, you know, and Carol turns to him and said, how, how can you do that? How can you give up? Understandably. For the whole night. You know, and at that point, Jenny said as well, you can't stop looking. It's a little girl lost in the woods where there's, you know, mortal enemies out there trying to find them, find her and eat her. Mm-hmm. You can't stop. Yeah. And it's just like, well, you have to stop. And this is this uh, the reason this is an important scene in my mind is that it shows that uh, Rick is making those hard decisions mm-hmm. and he has to live with it. He's obviously upset by this. Well, he doesn't want to stop searching. Yeah, he doesn't want to stop. He feels the need to continue searching as well. And he knows how important it is to, to continue to to find Sophia. But he also knows this is not practical. We're just going to be stepping on each other. We could walk right into another herd. Yeah. There's a, it's too dangerous. You're putting yourself in unnecessary danger. So these decisions uh, he has to make, and they weigh on him. And this is that start of, uh, or continuation of that journey of you know making the tough choices mm-hmm. and having to live with the consequences. Yeah, I, I liked how they ended the scene too, because as you said, you could tell that Rick was feeling this way, and uh, you know the conversation kind of ends, and and you just see him walking away through the cars, yeah. like you know, uh, with a lot on his mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so <clears throat> we cut to next morning and Andrea confronts Dale about her gun because he won't give it back to her. Right. Um, and Shane suggests that only people who are trained should have guns, implying that everyone else will be trained at some point. Right. So we could have some <clears throat> gun training scenes coming up. That'll be fun. That would be fun. And they start organizing the search party for Sophia and agree to bring along Carl. Of course. Of course. More eyes, the better. That's right. Why wouldn't you? I mean, he's a kid, but as long as he stays close, might as well be looking, yep. right? Um, we get more with Andrea uh, and Dale. She approaches him about the gun again, and they talk about what happened at the CDC. Uh, here was a an intense scene where Andrea was saying, uh, you know, things like, you didn't save my life, I saved yours. You forced that on me by staying there. Yep. Um, where all along, Dale thinks, you know, he was... He was the guy that that saved her and brought her out of there when she was, you know, choosing suicide. They're both right. Uh, Yeah, I guess they're both kind of right. But, you know, at a certain point, you got to people have to make their own decisions, I think. Right. You know, Um, Dale wants gratitude. But Andrea said she feels she was denied the choice to die in her own way. And she said, I'm Dale. I'm not your little girl. I'm not your wife. I'm not your problem. So they these two might not be getting uh, you know close together as quickly as we sort of thought. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Oh, I'm sure they're going to get together real quick. Have you ever watched Fraser? Yes. Fraser always gets into arguments with women and then is attracted to them, and then they end up in a sack. <laughs> yeah, but it's not in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. It's in the middle of like you know upper class Seattle. It, it's Seattle. <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs> It's a yeah, it's a Seattle-based sitcom. It's where grunge came out of. Those guys were half dead in the nineties. That's 90s. right. <laughs> um, 
but it was a good scene with Andrea and Dale, you know, sort of laying it out there and, and uh, Dale having his eyes opened a little bit to not being able to um, kind of impose his thoughts or, or on, on other people, you know? I think uh, I think the acting in this scene was fantastic. Yeah, it was. It, re- it was really good. It was a very powerful scene. Overall, Laurie Holden was probably probably had the best performance of this episode. Yeah, I would say that. Things like this, things like when she was stuck in the bathroom with the zombie. I mean, when 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 you see when you're looking down through the skylight and you see her in there, she genuinely looked terrified. Yep. Like absolutely. So I think she she was really really good in this overall. So, the group goes searching, and they come across a tent in the forest. Oh, yeah. Maybe she's hiding in the tent. Wouldn't that be convenient? It sure would. Um, Sadly, inside, they don't find Sophia. Instead, they find a terribly rotted person who had committed suicide. Took the easy way out. Maggots all over his face, and it was just really nasty smelling, apparently. Shane took the gun. Oh, did he? Yeah, he picked up, he grabbed the gun out of the guy's hand. Well, smart. Yeah. Collect your weapons. Um, did you notice there was a, a button on the corpse that said no excuse for domestic violence? No, I did not notice that. I don't know if that means anything. Probably not. But it was interesting that we, we do have a little bit of a domestic violence uh, theme, or at least we did going through the show. Yep. I threw that button in there. So who knows? Maybe it's just a hot topic for one of the writers or something like that, or it's part of the actual dramatic purpose of the show. I don't know. Yep. Back on the highway, we've got Dale and T-Dog, and they're the only ones there now because Dale is keeping watch, uh, and T-Dog had his arm almost fall off. But they're talking, and we find out that Dale had fixed the hose two days ago but didn't tell anybody. Yep. Bum, bum, bum. Dale thinks that if people knew it was fixed, they'd want to leave quicker uh, before they found Sophia. I like the uh, the quote here. I want to hold off the needs of the many versus needs of the few arguments for as long as I can. Exactly. Star do, Trek reference. Yep. <laughs> do we save everybody and leave the girl, or do we stay and find the girl before we leave? Right. Interesting. Uh, back in the forest, suddenly the group hears a bell ringing right after the tent. Weird. A church yeah. bell. Church bells. And it ring- it leads them to a church. They they get there. They open the door. And uh, there's three zombies sitting in there, just, I don't know, and praying or something like that. And what I noticed about here is they very efficiently killed these zombies. They sure did. They quickly dispatched. Quickly. The three three of them, uh, Rick, Shane, and Daryl, walked in, and each of them took a zombie and just quickly, exactly knew what to do, took them down. Really felt to me like they're getting used to doing it, this and getting better at it. Yes. Yes and no. I mean, the only thing... Uh... I think that you're right in that they're getting used to the situation. They know that taking down a zombie one-on-one is fairly straightforward now. Mm -hmm. But uh, at least Shane and uh, Rick, when they attacked their zombies, they went whole hog and they had to hit him in the head at least five or six times. Right? So there's still some practice to be done. No, they did. You're right. Like, Rick... Cleaved the thing in the head, and it went down, yep. but then each of them had to hit it a few more times. Continued hacking, hacking, hacking. Now, uh, Shane, on the other hand, did he have to hit it multiple times? Because he walked up, grabbed it, and slid the knife right through the zombie's face and out again and just let oh, it go. Oh, yeah, okay. It was Shane that, that didn't do it. It was Daryl that had to hack and hack and hack. So it was Daryl and, and Rick that hacked and hacked and hacked at their zombies. So there's you know, there's some still a learning curve there. Well, they'll get really good at it where they'll just be like headshot, 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 headshot. <laughs> yeah. Head comes off, head comes off. Yeah. You know, and away they go. Uh, but... I mean, just the the execution of it, I thought it was was quite 
efficient. Yes. You know, they, they go in, they each went a different way. They each took one at a time and they were down in a, you know, 20 seconds kind of thing. So yep. I liked it. Um, nobody else is in there. No 12 year old girl named Sophia. And after they realize that, that, um, the bells are ringing again, but it's actually a loudspeaker outside on a timer because there's no steeple on the church. Right. There are no bells. Nobody cares that there's electricity in this building. Uh, battery, battery operated timer, operated timer on the wall. You see Glenn disabling it. Oh, still. Yeah. Batteries, I guess, but I don't think there was sure, actual I thought it was just a timer, uh, you know, hooked up to, cause the, uh, the pole that the timer was in all went all the way into the ground. Right. Hmm. So I thought that maybe it was just a, the timer was in that panel Yeah, and, uh, there was electricity in this place. Well, I was just throwing out, to be honest, it didn't occur to me that there was electricity to run these, this speaker, but, uh, I was just throwing out the fact that it was probably batteries because I could see that sort of thing having a battery in it. But you may be right. Maybe there was electricity there. and There's electricity in a speaker. Yeah. You think they could have rigged something up to go, Sophia, <laughs> can you hear me? <laughs> Come True. here. You'd think, though, if she had heard the bells ringing, she probably would have gone towards them anyways. Maybe. Or maybe she's thinking, I hear a loud noise off that way, and so does every zombie within, you know, a kilometer of this mm-hmm. place, so that place is probably full of zombies. She's smarter than the adults. Who well, knows? And there were none there. Like there's only the three lurkers inside the church. Yeah. So, which probably means there are zero zombies in that in that forest general area. Yeah. Well, they'd all be there, I guess, because you'd think those bells would go off at least every Sunday, or maybe they're a like an hourly, like a timer thing. I don't know, well, an hourly thing. You know, there was a church. There's a church around the corner from where we used to live at uh, Young and, and Shepherd. No. Where the hell do I live? doesn't matter. Anyway, there's a church, and they went off at, like, uh, three times on Sunday to announce each Mass, right? So maybe well, yeah. it was a Sunday, and it's just so it went off every couple hours to announce that particular Mass. Yeah. I'm sure it was something like that. I don't think they'd be going off every day. Right. I don't know. Um, so uh, at this point, though, Andrea overhears Shane and Lori talking about him leaving again. And I guess she decides that she might want to go with him. Um, before they talk, though, we see Carol head in to pray for Sophia's safe return. And she says, praying for Ed's death was a sin. Don't let this be my punishment. So she's feeling pretty bad, yeah. understandably. And uh, she wanted her she wanted her husband dead. Now he is. And her daughter went missing. So she thinks she's being punished for that. Could be a little self-centered of her. She thinks that her daughter's being killed <laughs> off to punish her. Well, she 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 sinned, so you know she has yeah. to pay the price. Yeah, but wouldn't it be uh, Sophia's? You know, if she's paying the price for whatever she did, why would you know she just be a little pawn in you know the punishment of her mom? Well, seems kind of uh, anyway. But that's that's neither yeah. here nor there. No, it's, it's a whole other thing. Um, but so we go back to Andrea and Shane outside. She's telling Shane that she wants to come with him. And, uh, you know, it can be a two-way street. They can help each other. They can cover each other's ass, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But Shane doesn't really want anyone along. He just wants to go off by himself and, I don't know, lay down and die somewhere or something. You you need backup. Why would you want to go off by yourself? I don't know. Take the hot chick with you. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he doesn't want her to come, and they kind of leave it at that. Then uh, Shane is telling Rick that they have to go back, but Rick says, her being out here, it's my fault. As we've already knew, he was sort of feeling that way. So Rick, Shane, and Carl continue the search while everybody else heads back to the highway. 
Um, Daryl gives Lori a gun for protection. And of course, Andrea doesn't like this. She makes a face because no one else will give her a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew right there when, uh, Rick and, uh, Shane were staying behind and then, uh, Carl said, I want to stay too. I, I knew right there what was going to happen. Yep. Yeah, it became pretty obvious to anyone who sort of knows the story. Yeah, and my uh, my wife likes to have spoilers when I know something's going to happen that's bad. Mm-hmm. So right when that, as soon as that happened, I paused and I said, "Okay, this is what's going to happen." And I I don't want to spoil it because we're well, I mean, we're, almost we're almost there. We're almost there. So, but I want to say anything. But I told my wife exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, they could have surprised us. They could have surprised us. Could've, you never know. But they didn't. No. Uh, had had we not seen in the trailer for this season Rick running towards a farm holding a child in his arms, yeah. it would have been less obvious probably because, you know, you, you, you probably know something bad's going to happen, but you don't really know what. But we've seen that scene, so it's yeah. clear. Um, so before they all leave, um, Rick goes in inside the church to pray and he asks for help to keep us going. He says, I need an indication that we're doing the right thing. You don't know how hard that is to know. Yep. The poor guy doubts himself, but he also, you know, feels the need to lead these people. Make the hard choices. Yeah, make the hard choices. That was a really good shot when he was leaving the church. Uh, what was it? Just uh, him. He was all in shadow, right? Because mm-hmm. the uh, the camera was set up for the, uh, the white balance or the... Uh, um, the light lighting outside of the church. Mm-hmm. So they just followed him, and it was just his silhouette with a black background, and then he walked through the door, and then, you know, all of a sudden he's bathed in light, and everything makes sense uh, as far as uh, the lighting and being able to see his clothes and all that kind of stuff. I just, it was a really nice shot. Sounds like some quality cinematography. It was. It was really nice. Bit of a, well, cinematography-wise, bit of a... a sort of a change moment for him you'd think too maybe coming out yeah. of the darkness into the light mm-hmm. you know he's he's grown as a character in that moment um as he walks past shane too he uh, shane asks is if he got what he needed in there and he responds i guess we'll find out <laughs> yep good answer <laughs> i liked it um so we're almost at the end the group heading back carol questions that if this is the best plan because they haven't found her daughter and she's rather upset about that and at this point, Lori kind of goes off the handle briefly. She um, gives everyone a piece of her mind, and she tells Carol to stop blaming Rick. She just defends her husband's actions um, and says, you all uh, you know, look to him and then blame him when he's not perfect. If you can do this without him, go right ahead. Nobody's stopping you. Yep. So uh, she sort of laid down the law, and I think every everyone kind of realized that, yeah, in fact, you know, Rick, our buddy Rick here is doing the best he can. Yep. So we got to either step up or kind of deal with it. But that's all we get from them. And we go back to Rick, Shane, and Carl, who are traipsing through the forest, and they come across a deer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shane raises his gun to shoot it. With but a it, shotgun. With a shotgun. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to scare it. <laughs> well, and then hurt it, and then it's going to run away. And that'll be the end of unless, that. Unless they were close enough, and then he'd blow its head off. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um but instead, uh, Carl approaches it slowly. I'm not sure exactly what Carl was trying to achieve here. Just a moment of, uh, you know, communion with nature. Yeah, but that's for the audience. What is, what is this character trying to do? Why? Same, same thing. I mean, if I was next to, if I walked, came across a deer that was in the forest and I was standing there, I would just simply not move and watch it. 
or walk a little closer very slowly what what Carl did is just you know being that close to something that is uh natural and it would be amazing well absolutely It'd be amazing it's a big majestic beautiful animal and so on if that happened to you you know this weekend in the forest that's one thing when you need food you might just shoot it i don't know though cuz uh you know they have a lot of they have a lot of food from the stores that they found in the and all the people that were you know trying to get out of wherever and you know shooting a deer they have no way of freezing the food no that's or... more food than they than that particular group of people could eat in a day mm-hmm. right so i don't know that it would get them anything long term so then i i guess you're right but i still don't quite understand what carl was trying to do other than just be one with the deer be one with the deer i guess let this kid have you know he's been dealing with death for a long time it's got to be hard no that's you a know? good point let him have a little moment of life it's a very good point actually yeah. and 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 you could sort of see that on rick's face actually yeah no shame you know? just let him let him have his moment here yeah exactly sadly his moment is um, abruptly, abruptly ended, ended <laughs> when a shot rings out, killing the deer, yep, or at through least, the, through least the deer, through the deer, and into Carl's stomach, right below his ribs. That was a great. That was a great shot. Not the shot that went through the deer and into into Carl. The uh, the camera shot where yes. you know, Carl flew back and the deer and just that uh, the Blood. cinematography there, I thought was really nice. Blood sprayed out and a little and bit. And practical effect or special effect. It was, it was yeah. good. He went down and uh, uh, Shane and Rick, you know, begin to panic. They run up to him and go to black credits. Episode's over. Yep. Um, quite an episode. I thought it was fantastic. I really liked it. I really R- had a good time. Really liked it. I st- you know, in my general feelings, I still don't think... It's as good as the season one premiere. I think that is still the best thing they've done, this show. But this is a great season two premiere. It really is a good premiere. Um, I would put this up there with the uh, with the pilot. Up there with it. But for me, it's pilot number one, this number two, probably. Yeah, I'm not sure I could rank them. Mm, yeah. But I think they're both great. Um, before we move on, uh, you know, I, I didn't make a lot of, of uh, notes about sort of my feelings other than what we've already discussed. But it was... Nice to see, like, uh, Carl had a way bigger part in this episode than in anything in season one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was he was doing stuff by himself, which he wasn't doing in the first season, really. Yep. Obviously, he gets gunned down at the end, so that's a, that's a huge thing. He had a lot more lines. I felt like, you know, the three of them were an actual family, more so than I ever did last season. Yep. Even at the reunion when Rick comes back and so on. Yep. Jenny made a, a, a point uh, with... Uh, Lori, when she said, uh, you can't, you know, put those, that weapon down because he was holding the axe. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, can I just keep this one? She says, she says, what did I just say? Yeah. That's very parental. <laughs> it, a, it is. It's a parental thing to do. <laughs> Jenny commented on that. That's right. Like, yeah, that's, that's his mom, all right. <laughs> it's like, you're not listening. <laughs> yeah. I think that's happened in this house. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, it, overall, great episode. And uh, I think, you know, everybody involved. Did a, did a nice job and sort of took it up a notch for Absolutely. lack of a better phrase. Yeah, I felt them, uh, the whole party together as a group more as well. Mm-hmm. Like in previous episodes, they were just kind of this bramble of people. Right? Yeah. And there were some extraneous people that uh, eventually got killed off for one reason or another. Or left. Or left or what have you. But this, uh, they're becoming a very cohesive group and you're starting to care about every single one of them. You are. You know? 
T-Dog still didn't really have much to do other than get hurt and well, get Well, he saved. got hurt and he was there and then he hung out with uh, with Dale. Yeah. No, he was there to have that conversation with Dale and the scene where Daryl saves him from the zombie, I thought a good, important, interesting scene, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I was happy that was in there. But kind of like last season, he really didn't do that much, you know. He's, he's kind of in the background most of the time. I hope he's not fodder. I hope they're not just going to kill him off for the sake of killing him off. The Yeah, I, I do too. The only thing is, this is The Walking Dead. Somebody is going to die. Somebody's bound to die. And, I mean, gonna, who well, else is I it going to be? I hope that they, if they do that, they should do it in a way that is going to be very surprising for us. Like they did in season one with Amy. Mm-hmm. Right? It was She was... She looked like a, a, a primary character in this show, yep. and she was. But then she ended up dying. So I think they should uh, they should kill if they if they kill off uh, T Dog, he he is this kind of extraneous character right now. I think he could be more important as time goes on. But he's kind of extraneous in this one episode alone. You can see that, you know, if they kill him off, what plot line is going to change? Yeah, nothing, nothing. So I hope they don't do that because that seems like a cheap shot. The other thing too is they're introducing more characters in the next episode um uh, when they get to the farm so we're we've already got a lot of characters and we're gonna get a few more now so there's gonna be a lot of going on it's gonna be difficult to fit everyone into you know a decent amount of screen time each you know um if they give him uh a plot in a one episode we know he's gonna die at the end right yeah, probably. Because, you know, uh, right now he doesn't have any plot lines. If all of a sudden he's a primary character, he's a dead man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You'll learn anything from Lost. <laughs> yeah. It's that if minor characters become prominent for an episode, they're dead. <laughs> that's it. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's talk about next week briefly. It could be next week. One of the uh, screenshots for the sneak peek at episode 202 is T-Dog's face. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we'll see what happens next week. The episode is called Bloodletting, and the description from AMC is, Coming to the aid of another, Rick discovers a possible safe haven. Shane must go on a dangerous mission to get badly needed medical supplies. Supplies! So he has to go get medical supplies because Carl was shot in the stomach and he needs to be um, he needs to be uh, tended to mm-hmm. by a trained doctor of some kind, such as a veterinarian. Glenn's going to go with him. Glenn's going? Well, I would assume so. Well, Glenn if somebody's is your gonna, man. If, if somebody has to go out and get supplies from somewhere, Glenn's your guy. It's true. It's true. He knows what to do. He knows how to do that. Next week's episode is written by Glenn Mazzara the current showrunner, and is directed by Ernest Dickerson. All right. And that's all that uh, amctv.com has to tell us. So, sounds exciting. Very. We will be back next week talking about that. Um, in a minute, we are going to do a new segment here on the podcast. Right. We'll get to that in a second. But before, I need to tell you that this show is brought to you by audible.com listeners of our podcast where audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service quickly this week i think there's only really one book we can recommend i think there is it is the uh the walking dead the rise of the governor yep by robert kirkman and jay bonansinga yep narrated by fred berman fred berman um, I think we've, you know, we've mentioned it a number of times on the podcast before, of course, but, uh, if you can't get enough Walking Dead, 
this is an audible book you should choose. And you're listening to it right now, right? I am. I'm about two-thirds of the way through. This, so when it, I'm done... This, this is your first audiobook? Uh, first full audiobook, yeah. 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 That's I, exciting. I'm it, very happy for you. It is exciting. I had the plane rides to New York to listen to it and some time walking around and stuff like that. You rake leaves, didn't you? I got a lot of uh, listening done while I was raking leaves last week. Oh. That's right. We're going to get you into the fold, my friend. Audiobooks are excellent. <laughs> when I'm done, we'll uh, do a little segment on it here. We'll report on it, or maybe when we're both done. So you got to get get going. Yep. Um, but in the meantime, to download your free audiobook, The Walking Dead Rise of the Governor, or any other one, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That is, again, audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for your free audiobook. Holy crap. Did you see that? Okay, this is the new segment on the show this week. It's called Holy Crap, Did You See That? Each week, when there's a new episode of The Walking Dead, Jason and I are each going to choose a scene from the current episode that we could apply the phrase, Holy Crap, Did You See That? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if we'll even talk about it, but or too much, not too much at length anyways, but I think it will be fun to at least pick a scene from each episode that really stood out. So, Jason, do you have your holy crap scene from the season two premiere? Well, I mean, we already talked about it, but it's the uh, when Andrea came out of the uh, the bathroom and stabbed that guy in the eye socket with the uh, with the screwdriver multiple times. Yeah, that's certainly a holy crap segment or holy crap scene, I think. Yeah, just get him on the floor. Well, once against the wall, and then yeah. a couple times on the floor. I think. Uh, yeah, and then uh, then she looks up. She's covered in blood. And the place is, you know, there's zombie everywhere in that place, right? So that's got to be very upsetting to live someplace where you just <laughs> stab somebody in the eye and there's, you know, undead blood everywhere. Oh, and her own, too, somewhat, maybe. Or she wasn't bleeding, I don't I think guess. she was bleeding. Mostly but, undead Just blood. The, the look on her face and... Yeah, it was it was pretty nasty. Well, you know, like we were saying, she had a great performance in this episode, and um, you know that was a big part of it too. Her yep. getting to kill that zombie and the way she reacted, and, and she did. She just looked absolutely terrified and horrified and mortified and every other ified. All the ifieds you can apply. Absolutely. What about you? What do you got for a holy crap? Did you see that? Moment? My holy crap one is is a little bit of a simpler scene. I think it is when Rick. Um, is killing the zombies in the forest and he hits the one the first one in the face with the rock and then he gets it on the ground and he just smashes his head into like nothing till that skull is caved right in yep i thought to myself holy crap did you see that (laughs) (laughs) is that what we're gonna do at the end no no we're not gonna do that at the end but uh it was slightly more of a throwaway scene than than yours but i i just loved how they you know they didn't shy away from just showing that that zombie's skull just crush in like that. And the splatty noises. Yeah. How, how did they get that? There's got to be a Foley artist going, geez, how do I, uh, is it a watermelon uh, that I use with a, you know, a bit of lettuce cutting on there? Like, how do, how do I make this noise? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. The Foley guys know what they're doing, though. Yeah. They, uh, it was gross. Punching is easy because you just get a side of beef and you punch it. Punch it. <laughs> That's right. It's like punching a human. Punch. Yeah, it's like walking on cobblestones. You get shoes and you make some walking noises on cobblestones. But bashing a, a zombie skull in, you got to do oh, some. De- what do you do? Sound design work on yeah. that. Oh, that's why they get paid the big bucks. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Well, that's going to do it for. Holy crap! Did you see that? I just wanted to play that again. Of course. That's all. <laughs> um. 
Okay, Jason, one more thing before we wrap it up here. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, we introduced a contest for some awesome, awesome prizes. And the details here were uh, we asked people to go to iTunes, submit reviews um, for the show, and we would choose two winners from all the submitted reviews, and they would receive a Talking Dead fancy pack. pack prize pack fancy fancy pack prize pack yeah fancy pack prize pack perfect (laughs) that'll be my vocal warm-up next week there you go um the prize pack includes a tony moore autographed print of michonne uh it's 11 by 17 and it has uh her walking along with the armless zombies chain to her awesome it's awesome a um toronto fan expo uh walking dead number 88 exclusive cover which is great and we're going to throw in a um, the first issue of Dave's Dave's webcomic Stranger, which is not really a webcomic because he printed it up and we're putting that in. Um, and I decided right now, too, I have a few of those uh, Talking Dead bottle openers, uh, promotional items left over from Comic-Con. Put one of those in there for you, too. Oh, that's Why a good plan. Good plan. Isn't that nice? It is. So, Jason... Do you have our winners? We have two winners. The first winner uh, is a review called, uh, the name of the review is Thank the Talking Dead TV Show. And it is by Libby from Des Moines. Congratulations, Libby from Des Moines, Iowa. I would assume. A place I've been uh, three or four times in my life Yeah, for work. I ate a lot of beef there. You did? I did. Good steaks? Good steaks and good uh, steak and potatoes. That's, That's the kind of food they like out that way. Oh, excellent. Winner number two. Winner number two. This uh, review is called This Podcast Will Blow Your Face Off by Wheels86. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that's anything related to Wheels from the old Degrassi Junior High show. Isn't that a character named Wheels? Oh, you just totally announced that you watched that show. I have no idea if that was a character on that show. You never watched Degrassi? Everybody in this country watched Degrassi. Really? I never watched Degrassi. Uh, You missed out. I taught in the school that that was filmed in. Well, that's close enough. I taught Centennial College, which took over that school after they were done filming that show. All right. So we've got Libby and Wheels 86. That's right. Libby from Des Moines. Libby Libby from Des Moines. Where's Wheels 86 from? Does doesn't it say. say. All right. Because the, uh, the review is by Libby from Des Moines. Oh, I see. Right. And uh, Wheels 86 is who did the, uh, the next review. Well, I'm going to say Wheels 86 is in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Wheels home. 86 from Tampa, Florida. <laughs> I'm just making it up. <laughs> um, so Libby and Wheels 86, please send us an email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com with your full real name and address, and we will be in touch about uh, sending you your fantastic prize pack. Fancy pack prize pack. What fancy like? pack, yeah, fancy pack prize pack. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll have more contests in the days and weeks ahead. We've got additional stuff here in the uh, prize locker to give away. <laughs> prize vault. <laughs> the prize vault. The prize vault is closed for now, but it will be opening soon, and you're not going to want to miss out on uh, what we pull out of it. Right. All right. That is going to do it for one of the longest podcasts in Talking Dead history. One more thing I'd like to talk about briefly before we go, and that is that uh, I did not get a chance to watch the Talking Dead after show that AMC AMC is producing for The Walking Dead. Did you watch it? No. So neither of us have seen it. However, there are a number of people out there that seem to be confusing us with that show. I don't blame them. We have the same name. <laughs> but it's not our fault. We've had the name for two years. AMC just kind of swooped in and started using it. Um, so 
we got a lot of calls, a fair number of emails, um, a lot of uh, you know activity on our Facebook page and Twitter account um, from people thinking they were actually submitting questions to AMC's Talking Dead. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure that everyone is clear that you know as much as we appreciate the attention, we have nothing to do with AMC's Talking Dead. No affiliation with the show or anyone that produces it. We are simply the Talking Dead podcast that has been running for a couple of years and, uh, you know, doing our own thing. So mm-hmm. so if you are at all confused, um, you know, I hope you stick around. I hope you check us out and become regular listeners. That would be fantastic. But uh, any questions you submit for AMC's Talking Dead, I'm afraid are not going to get to AMC's Talking Dead by calling our voicemail line. So, um just wanted to make sure everyone was clear about that. Mm-hmm. We do appreciate the uh, the influx of information and activity. Oh, certainly. But uh, it is with confusion. It, yeah, exactly. I you know I would love to get all these people calling and emailing. You know, genuinely trying to reach us. That would be amazing. Um, but I also don't want anyone to feel confused or feel bad or you know mislead anybody in any way. In that you know we have anything to do with AMC's Talking Dead show. So. Now that that's clear, I think we can uh, wrap up this episode. What do you think? I think so, too. Excellent. If you want to give us a call, I highly recommend it. And if you really want to give us a call, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Please call us. That number would be one eight six six four eight three 483 zomb That's 866-483-9662. It's the Zomb line, people. It's the, the Zomb line. Call that. Um, we are also on Twitter, of course, at Talking Dead. Another source of confusion. Yep. However, that's what it is, and I'm not giving it up anytime soon. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And, of course, you can always email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find all the episodes of this program in case you're listening to it on a friend's iPod or something like that at talkingdeadpodcast.com. That is where we live. So we'll be back next week when we talk about Episode 2, Bloodletting. And until then... Everyone have a great week. Bye.